You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hopson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here again with one of my co-hosts, Peter Barrichini, Alex Offstick for the second week. Uh, we wish him the, the best here, Peter, but uh, mm-hmm. big shout out to Ryan Zeus Fleming as well for our intro, as always. Um, yes. That said, we got a lot to talk about uh, this week, uh, Peter, just the two of us again. Um the officiating in, in recent Leaf games has been absolutely horrible. We'll get to that in a second. Jason Spezza, you know, we've, we've seen vintage Spezza once again. Uh, and uh, Ovi, Ovi watch continues. But before we get into all that fun hockey talk, how are you doing this week? Oh, you ever just discover a song and it's just on repeat nonstop? I know we talk about music quite a bit, but... I, I can't believe I've never heard it, or I've heard it, but I didn't know quite the song, and I knew it was by Ed Sheeran, but Shivers is, like, probably my guilty pleasure song lately, and it's just been on repeat nonstop. It's and a solid like, tune, though. It's a solid tune. It is definitely a solid tune, and I'm just like, man, when did this song came, when did this song come out? And apparently it came out in September. I didn't even know about that, and I'm, like, four, three or four months late to the party, so... Um, I don't know if Ed Sheeran is listening to this, but Ed, you just made a really great song and I'm hooked on it. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of see it all over social media right now. The uh, the Spotify wrapped or the uh, mm-hmm. the the Apple equivalent, um, you know, everyone's kind of getting in touch with their what their biggest songs of the year were. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, Ed Sheeran, solid tune. You're more of a rock guy, though. Like, I a, am. like a heavy rock or punk type music. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can see how you'd maybe miss on, on the Ed Sheeran shiver. Um, <laughs> but uh, de- definitely a solid tune. Um, yeah, I always like watching the rap stuff. Um, you want to talk about music. What uh, Have you have you had a chance to look at what your, your top songs of the year are so far? Well, I don't have Spotify. Well, I, okay, I use Spotify, but I don't have, like, an account. Um, like I, I don't have a login or anything like that. So you go in and check the stats. I just, whatever I, I see, I listen, I just hit play or whatever. And I, I have an idea of what my top five songs of the year would be. Um, and I tweeted it out too. Um, it's motionless and white's time bomb. Uh, the other one was St. Sonia's ghost, uh, Volbeat's, um, shotgun blues, um the other one was spirit box yellow jacket and uh i can't remember the fourth one that i had but i want to say it was era's Gungrave, and those were basically on repeat for me nonstop throughout the whole entire year and if if i would have been aware of ed sheeran uh ed sheeran shiver that would have been in there definitely so I was gonna say, like you're you're kind of along this a similar line in terms of genre, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I do listen to everything. I mean, I'm not just so fully focused in on like the rock aspect or whatever. I listen to everything, hip hop, pop, dance, whatever. 
Um, I was even kind of surprised that BTS's Butter wasn't in there because that is also a really good track. But yeah, I mean, I listen to everything, but mainly rock is my bread and butter. So I'll give you this. Um, mine, like, I'm literally all over the place. Um, in terms of, in terms of uh, genres, my Spotify let me know that I listen to 47 different genres. Um, in terms of artists, I listened to 523 different artists this year. Uh, and hey, we still got a whole month to go. So that, yeah. uh, I'll tell you right now, that's probably going to be going up. That could change um, in a flash. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the songs, um, so I'll give you my top five artists. Ed Sheeran was number one, James Arthur, number two, Louis Capaldi, number three, Dermot Kennedy, number four, and the kid Leroy, number five. So again, all over the place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of songs, Without You by the kid Leroy featuring Miley Cyrus was actually my number one. That's like a pretty underrated track, if you ask me. Uh, in terms of the rest, look, I'm a very emotional guy here. So Afterglow, number two, Trainwreck, number three by uh, James Arthur, Stay with Justin Bieber, number four, and September by uh, James Arthur as well, number five. So, again, kind of all over the place, but there you have it for my my 2021 wrapped on Spotify. And when it comes to top podcast, I mean – None other than Sticks in the Six. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I. It, it's it's funny too because I, I was mentioning to you off the top of the show that uh, there's a Wrapped as well from Spotify for for podcast hosts, and uh, we got some some pretty interesting numbers when it comes to uh, the Sticks in the Six podcast. And shout out to our, all of, all of our listeners because uh, honestly, we got we couldn't do it without you guys and and. This year has been a crazy year for the podcast. We added mm-hmm. Alex Hobson to the show, which has been unbelievable having him on the show as well. Um, yeah. It's given us a little bit more flavor. Um, he has some some crazy takes sometimes, and it's and it's so fun to listen to what he has to say. Um, and then uh, on top of that, uh, just to just to give you an idea of how how much we've grown over the past year, two hundred percent up on on downloads uh i believe we were 103 or 108 percent up on listeners and uh just streams in general i think was up 113 percent so um just crazy numbers we were heard in sweden for the first time this year our first episode this year came out january 6th uh we have episodes that are you know going further than we could have ever imagined you know we were on portugal's top top uh, hockey downloaded podcasts on iTunes. We were on Germany's hot top uh, hockey podcast downloaded. Um, I mean, what we've done so far with sticks in the six is just incredible. We have a contest that's going right now. Sticks in the six goal picks that we do every single uh, leaf game should Um, be ending soon to first round. So first round ends December 25th. So there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, keep playing, keep following along, and and keep listening, and and you know, get involved. Send us questions, interact with us on Twitter. We love we love that stuff, and and uh, yeah, just a little fun fun number numbers game off the top of the show here. Definitely, can't do it without you. So so everybody tuning in, thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode this week, but uh, obviously no guests to go, and uh, I do want to talk about. 
um, the Leafs off the top, though, because it's been it's been kind of an up and down ride the last week or so. Um, but I want to start with Peter Mrazek's conditioning stint with the Marlies. So he he played this weekend, um, obviously coming back from that uh, that groin injury. He started the game for the Marlies, gave up four goals, uh, finished with a 4.03 goals against and uh, had 22 saves for a 0.846 save percentage. So not exactly what you want if you're if you're the Maple Leafs, knowing where your um, knowing where your goaltending's at right now, with Joseph Wall being you know the backup for for Jack Campbell and Jack Campbell really playing out of his mind right now for the, for yeah. the Leafs. But is this concerning when you look at a guy like Mrazek? I mean, obviously coming off an injury, he's he's still you know not at the top of his game, but not the kind of performance you want to see on, on the first start of a conditioning stint. Um, you want to, I mean, you don't want to jump the gun too, because he is just coming back from an injury and, you know, he wants to make an immediate impact. Um, the numbers itself don't look good, but at the same time, Greg Moore, I believe uh, post game said that, you know, the goals weren't on him. It was on the team in front of him. He said that he did look good despite the numbers showing it or telling a different story. Um, so I think if you're taking that face value that we know that Peter Mrazek may be back to four, maybe getting back to four, maybe he's going to be on top of this game from here on out. Then maybe that the goals that were given up, maybe it was, you know, bad coverage, multiple odd man rushes, which we are going to get to with the Leafs at some point. Um, yeah, I, I, you want like, and, and again, like we saw that we said the same thing with Frederick Anderson, and then when he came back, he did look like he was better than before the injury, although still some hiccups here and there. So I think maybe take it with a grain of salt. Don't look too much into the numbers until we actually see him play at the NHL level again. Um, I do. I, I hope that he gets back to, you know, the Carolina hurricane days um, and not the kind of games where he was playing uh, the way that he did against Ottawa Senators and Detroit Red Wings. Granted, wasn't 100 percent. So I, I, I think cautious approach with that. And let's see what he can do at the NHL. Yeah, I mean, like if there's one thing we've learned from this this Leafs team this season, it's don't jump the gun. And yeah. there's so many times where we've jumped the gun with this team and, and, you know, they've gone on to kind of prove us wrong in certain situations. And this might be one of those situations. I mean, as we mentioned, Mrazek's coming off a groin injury. You don't exactly feel the same. And, and realistically, groin injuries don't heal the same way during a season as they would if you got the same kind of rest during an off season. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean... Is it is it concerning to see that those numbers right off the hop? Not really. Um, I think you know you put them in in a NHL situation with the defense that they have in Toronto. You know he's going to have a better opportunity of, of performing maybe more to our liking. That said, I mean in Leafland, there's always a little bit of concern when it comes to goaltending. Um, you know, right now you're sitting with Jack Campbell as your number one and, and Joseph Wall behind him and. They've played well up to this point, but they've put a lot of pressure on Jack Campbell so far. And yeah. if Mrazek can't live up to that expectation, if Joseph Wall can't live up to that expectation, 
um, you know, you're going to be going into the playoffs potentially with an exhausted Jack Campbell. So mm-hmm. they need a guy like Morazic to come back. They need a guy like Morazic to step up and they need him to be that one, a one B type of goalie that they expected him to be when they got him from Carolina. Yeah. At this point, health is the main concern. Absolutely. Play, just the health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make sure that uh, you're, you're hundred percent that you're coming back healthy. So we're not talking about another groin injury, you know, two, three weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. With that, let's let's jump to the Maple Leafs for a second. Um, we, I mean, it's a, we we kind of wanted to talk about the Colorado game. There was a lot of talk about how December was going to be a tough month for the Leafs, and they've they've you know played against some some tough teams uh, thus far. Um, starting off with with Colorado, and and they put up a hell of a performance. Nazem Kadri, as as expected, you know, scored his I believe his two hundredth career NHL goal against the Leafs kind of, you know, one of those things, a former Leaf always scores against the Leafs. It's, it's almost a given. You'll see, uh, Alex always likes to tweet that out. (laughs) Um, Although because it's not some country, it's, it's good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of Leaf fans that would love to see Nazem back in a, in blue and white, but, um, with, there was, there was, that was followed up kind of with, with two, I'm going to call them grimy games Um, and and we'll get kind of deeper into this, but first uh, you had the Minnesota game where the Leafs started off slow. Again, it was kind of reminiscent of the start of the season where, you know, they, they start off slow and and make a a small comeback and, you know, they were able to tie it up and and chalk up a point in in the standings and, you know, ended up losing in overtime. Um, No fault to Jack Campbell, some, some crazy goals in that game. And then uh, tonight, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and officiating being the big question. And again, in Minnesota, there were some questions about the officiating as well on both sides. I, this is mm-hmm. not strictly, I'm not sitting here, you know, blaming the officials for the Leafs losing the game. But there was some some questions surrounding the officiating on both sides in both games. And in, in tonight's game against the Jets, I mean, things things certainly got out of hand and I think the official, the officials lost, lost control of the game, but yeah, let's run back to Minnesota for a second. I want to talk about Nick Foligno or Nick Foligno, Marcus, Foligno, Marcus, yeah. Marcus younger brother, Marcus uh, Foligno um, and his uh, kind of run into Jack Campbell nearing the end of the game. Um, we can talk about that, but we can also talk about Marcus Foligno coming off the bench in the in uh, you know ended up fighting Wayne Simmons and mm-hmm. although Elliot Friedman gave a perfect explanation of the rule um, on Sportsnet as to why it would not be a ten game suspension, there was some uncertainty and some gray area there because he did technically put himself on the bench and then did technically come off the bench. So I want to get your thoughts on that, and I want to get your thoughts on the Leafs' reaction to Felino kind of running Jack Campbell near the end of the game. Yeah, so the rule that Elliot Freeman was talking about is a player who has entered the game while play is in progress from his own player's bench or legally from the penalty box, penalty time has expired, who starts an altercation may be subjected to discipline in accordance with Rule 28 supplementary discipline. Keyword, may be subject. So this is not David Clarkson seeing his teammate 
go up against an enforcer and then he comes off the bench and 10 game suspension. It's not that. The gray area is he comes off the bench or he comes onto the bench, but nobody came on for him. So technically that shift didn't really fully complete or it was not complete. I think what I think what saved him was the fact that nobody was on. He was able to come back on and he's still technically a part of that shift. But then again, on the flip side of things, he technically did leave the ice as well. So you have an argument for both the fact that the line change wasn't complete and that he did leave the game. Or or he came back on to the ice, vice versa, whatever. So I think now it's I, I think they're not going with any supplementary discipline. And this is a gray area because we haven't seen anything like this. The fact that he came off the ice and then came back on, I think maybe not a I, I maybe five at most, but I think maybe even one or two. I think probably would have been suffice. But then again, you you don't have any um, precedent set for this. This is like I haven't seen anything like this. So it could have gone either way um, that I'm not upset about. I'm more upset about the hit that transpired afterwards where he drives to the net. There was I don't think it was intentional because he did have the puck, but nobody touched him and he did catch Jack Campbell in the head. That to me should have been a penalty regardless. And the officials just basically said, hey, keep playing, whatever. And everyone just blew up online, the broadcast saying that that should have been a penalty. Like there's no way around it. The players were calling for the penalty. But at the same time, if I'm the players and I see my goalie get hit, I'm going after the guy and sending a message, like giving him a few shots, like, come on, this is your goalie. And, I, and this is the issue with the Maple Leafs, too. And Alex would probably attest to this as well, because he said the same thing in the past. The Maple Leafs don't stand like when they see something happen with their goalie, they just complain and just try to get a call. But send a message and stand up for your goalie, because let's face it, any other team that does that or sees that happen, they go after the guy who touched their goalie. And that is that is an unwritten rule. You touch the goalie, it you it is on. Player expect to answer the bell, and I'm surprised that nobody answered the bell. But that definitely should have been a penalty, no matter what. Yeah, so I'm going to start with uh, the coming off the bench first, and, and I agree with you that it's not anywhere close to David Clarkson ten game suspension. I mean, technically, he was still one of the five players that was supposed to be on the ice when the, the scuffle kind of ensued. Um, that said, I do think they, that the league should have sent a message. And and mm-hmm. here's why. He was off of the ice, okay? Yeah. The, the kind of grappling that was taking place was between Greenway and, and, Simmons. Uh, and Simmons. Or I think it was Simmons and or Bunting and Greenway, and then I think Simmons came in for Bunting. Right. So you have a rule in the league about the third man in. Yeah. Correct. So my thing here is not only did you have another guy come into the already three person scuffle that the refs were trying to break up, but you have a guy that's coming off the blind side of the player that he grabbed. Mm-hmm. And if you want to send a message to, to essentially stop this stuff from happening, what you want to do is you want to, you, you have to focus on the fact that 
he could have potentially grabbed Simmons or sucker punched Simmons. And there's going to be a time where this is going to be a guy that's willing to sucker punch Simmons or willing to yeah. sucker punch the guy because he knows that he's kind of coming off the blind side. He doesn't – Simmons technically in that situation does not see Felino coming off the bench. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're adding an extra element to the fight. To me, the fact that he took himself off the ice and came back on, that to me is still punishable. Mm-hmm. I, I, whether it be a one-game suspension and just kind of set the tone, let them know that this is this is not okay because all you're really doing is is saying, you know what? Yeah, we saw it, but technically under our rule book, that doesn't fall under rule whatever, 74.3.2-7, whatever, yeah. whatever it was, right? <laughs> whatever the code is. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like it's – you're essentially okaying the fact that he did – technically mm-hmm. come off the bench. And so for me, I, I think they still needed to address that. Um, I understand why they didn't, but I, I, I do think they need to do, they need to address that if they want to set the tone. And that's the problem yeah. with this league right now. They don't, set you the know, tone. from the Kyle beach situation all the way through to everything that goes on, on the ice. Now they don't set the tone properly. And that's why you see continuous plays happening. And that's where like the Jack Campbell, bump from Felino comes in first off I hated the lack of reaction from the Leafs yeah um it's something that I think you and I talked about in episode one of this podcast is mm-hmm. the Leafs don't react and you know have that guy come in and, and hold people accountable and that's what they need you want to you want to win a playoff series you want to win a first round um you want to you want to go on a run you need guys that hold the opposing players accountable uh, and in this situation, it just didn't happen. As for as for the Felino move itself, absolutely, it should have been a penalty. Nobody touched him flying in. Nobody bumped him. Nobody nobody redirected him. He went right to the net. Went into uh, Jack Campbell, who was standing in his crease. I mean, where's the protection on your goalies? That's something that they've talked about for for years. Where's the protection on the goalie? And not only that, but. You want to talk about hits to the head? I mean, there's a perfect example of East-West. You know, you're you're talking about a game when you're t- when you're talking about hits to the head in in hockey. They wanted north to south type of of physical play. Yeah. Now you're talking about a guy who's coming east to west across a goalie's crease where the goaltender is in the crease trying to make the save, and he's he's hitting the head east to west. That's exactly what you're trying to take out of the game. Where was the call? Where was the call? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. All, be- all because it was, was in the pocket. But that's it. All because it was late in the game and they didn't want to make a game-changing call. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. They're so afraid that they're gonna they're gonna essentially, um, you know, change the outcome of the game that they're 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 afraid to make the call. But here's the thing too. That it, if they would have made that call, that would have been a power play at the beginning of the game. And yeah, it could have changed the momentum, but it was the right call. Like it literally was the right call to make. Maple Leafs had the power play; it could have been over, and then you probably would have avoided Jason Spezza getting slashed in the hand later on in overtime, leading to a power play in the final minutes. So they're able to call the slash, but they're not able to call a goalie interference where they made contact with the head. I mean, and and. And again, we're we're going to get even more into this with the Winnipeg Jets because this was a 
this was a, a complete debacle in itself. I don't understand why Gary Bettman is now punishing everybody who's criticizing the officiating because of what happened with Rod Brindamore. And apparently that's what said or that's what led to him to say, if you criticize the officiating, you're going to get fined. Wouldn't you want people to criticize to know what's wrong, what's right, and what you can do to improve on the system and make the right call? Doesn't that it doesn't that seem like a no brainer? Yeah, I mean, look at the at the end of the day, this is this is a Gary Bettman move trying to save face with with you know a team of media that can't can't stand him anymore because of his press conference following the Kyle Beach situation. Yeah. Um, I think just overall in general. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to change the the complexion of the game and the complexion of yeah. his his tenure as as league commissioner, and you know that's that's he wants a gentleman's club. He wants somebody you know people that fall in line rather than speak out against whatever it might be. So, uh, I mean, obviously the call wasn't made. Obviously Jack Campbell's okay, and that's you know. Thank God. Um, but this shit's going to continue to happen until they, they make the calls. And right now, um, I, you know, I don't see them putting any stop to it after, after what was a debacle in the, in the Winnipeg game. And as you mentioned, we'll get to that in a second. Um, before we do, I, I want to talk a little bit about Jason Spezza um, because he was, he was the reason that that game in Minnesota went to overtime. Yeah. He was the reason. Simply put, he was the reason. Three points, two goals. Um, you know, this guy does not stop. He grinds. He he does lays it out he on the line. Lays it out on the line and just continues to do what needs to get done to to win games. And and I mean, that's exactly why the Leafs have him in the lineup. That's exactly why they've kept him around for what is his third year now. Third time um, around, yeah. Yeah, third time around. Seven goals and 11 points in 25 games. Like, just, I mean, imagine this guy at 38 putting up the numbers that he's putting up. And I said, I think I think he could have a, a 15 to 20 goal season and a 30 point, uh, 30 point season. I, I really do. I see this guy as being, a, you know, one of those guys that are, you know, points per 60 minutes. He was top five last season. I would not be surprised if you told him that, told me that at the end of the year he's going to finish in the same kind of same kind of spot he's currently fourth on the team in goals okay fourth on the team in goals he even missed a game um like the fact that he's he's he is where he is he's top 10 on the team in scoring um yeah i mean this guy has shown so much resiliency and if you want to talk about a guy that really sets the tone for a team what better guy to talk about than Jason Spezza? Uh, just looking over his point, the points right now. Eight, he is now the eighth Leaf to hit double digits in points. Five back of Alexander Kerfoot. Averaging 1140 per game in terms of ice time. And he is on pace right now. You said 15-20 goal, 30-point 30 30 season. On pace for 24 goals and 38 points. Ridiculous. At that, 38 years old. And on the fourth line as well. I don't think we've seen this kind of production from a fourth liner in ever. 
And this guy is putting his heart and soul into every single shift, every single game. And we're talking about a guy who's right now possibly, because we're in a full 82-game season, surpassing last year's 30-point mark. And we thought that maybe Jason Spezza would probably always be good in between the 20 to 30 range. He could surpass that. And this guy is 38. He's not getting any younger. I think he's going to play until the Leafs win a cup. And until then, I'm either signing him to every single year, one year, 750K, or I'm signing him to three years with the AAV of 750. So, because let's face it, he's not slowing down at all. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but I mean, you got to give this guy a lifetime contract. Yeah. Like, what, what what has to be done to you know to to just realize that this guy needs a lifetime contract? It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, look. and that if he gets put on waivers, he'll just say he'll retire. Absolutely. So there you go. Absolutely. You have, you have. You have but well, that was a different scenario with the you know taxi squad last year. But at the same time, it's like the, he's going to be a leaf no matter what. Player development. He yeah. like put him in the player development uh, program after he's done with the with his playing days. I mean, yes. this is a guy that can can be a team guy no matter where you stick him. And not only that, 981 career points now. He is just 19 shy of reaching the thousand point mark. He is among the top 96 players all time when it comes to points in the NHL. Um, Nobody does it better than Vintage, and and uh, perfect time to shout out our merch store. Go get some Toronto or Vintage's Toronto uh, merch because uh, Jason Spets is not going anywhere. Um, and why not? Why not don the Vintage uh, Vintage wear? Why not, indeed? And just one more point: um, if he is in a player development role, imagine him working under Haley Wickenheiser. That that that's just that's just a solid player development roster right there, where you have Haley at the top, and then you have Jason Spezza working with her to try and develop all these young players coming up. If if you want to learn from two players, might as well learn from two of the best to represent both Canada and play at the top levels of hockey. I was, was going to say two two players that represented uh, our country at at uh, different international. Um, uh, tournaments right so yeah um yeah i like i said i i you know i've been a jason spezza guy from the start i know alex mm-hmm. is absolutely in love with his slap shots so uh keep this you guy heard around the story last week absolutely absolutely um yeah i and i think this is a gr- actually a great time to kind of transition over to the the jets game tonight because jason spezza kind of went off as well and you know it, it's good to see that kind of fight in a guy like that who's you know he, like i said he's a team guy he's gonna lay it out on the line he, he leaves everything on the ice and you know he's willing to willing to go out there and, and go after guys for his teammates and um you know we saw him tonight go after neil pionk of the winnipeg jets after pionk went knee on knee with rasmus sandine and there was a moment there where pionk was kind of going down trying to play the puck out of his zone and Jason Spezza did not let up. Instead, he went full force, uh, basically rocking Pionk as he was going down. Yeah. And clean hit, clean hit. It, it it didn't it didn't look like it was a bad hit. Um, but you know he was he knew who he had to go after. He knew what he was out there to do, and 
he went for the guy that uh, took out the young defenseman for the Leafs. And that is exactly what the Leafs need. That kind of stuff is the response you want to have. We saw Wayne Simmons go off tonight. We saw Kyle Clifford go off tonight. And before this, we started recording here tonight, you you mentioned how happy you are to have those guys in the lineup. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know what? Take win, Wayne Simmons all day, every day. If he only puts up five goals a season, but he's going to go out there and he's going to you know lay the fist at anybody that he needs to, I'll, I'll take a Wayne Simmons on my team. I'll take a Jason Spence on my team. Hell, I'll take a Kyle Clifford on my team. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we saw Dubois ragdoll uh, Matthews. We saw Dubois, uh, you know, knock Wall in the head. Another another play that wasn't called against the goaltender. Like, where is the protection of your stars? Where is the protection of your of your goaltenders? Um, I, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. Oh, I'm going to try and keep this PG because, man. I love it. I love the, it. Let, the, let it go. Let it, let it go. <laughs> I, you all know me on here. I don't swear, but this game was absolutely frustrating and a complete joke. And Brad Meyer and Reed Anderson should technically be ashamed of themselves because they let this game get out of hand. And this is why the officiating has been so scrutinized the past year and a half and continues to do so because of stuff like this. They don't make the necessary calls. Austin Matthews got a holding call, and he was getting ragged all around, and then the official is just standing in front of them, letting them go at it. Why not go in there and separate them and give I, – I, I, honestly, I didn't even see a hold from Matthews' point of view on Dubois, but I saw Dubois rough up Matthews quite a bit. You don't make a call on Neil Pionk, who basically almost took off Rasmus Sandin's leg, who had it, who didn't put on any weight and had to be carried off. And I'm thinking this is worst case scenario right now for Rasmus Sandin, although I hope it's going to be less than four weeks because that looked ugly. And you had Dubois, again, go after Joseph Wall. Where, where is the line anymore with the officials? Do they not even care at all? I, I honestly think they don't. And this is getting really frustrating because how many times are we going to have games like this? And not just with the Maple Leafs, with other teams that have complained about it in the past. Edmonton Warriors with Connor McDavid, how they don't get the calls on him and because of all the hooking, tripping, and infractions of those. Honestly, if I'm Sheldon Keefe tonight, I am going to – Gary Bettman sent out like a email or a memo – in the past saying that if you criticize the officials, you'll get fined or whatever. And that's stemming from what Rod Brindamore said about the officials um, mid game, I think about a week or so ago, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm crumbling up that memo and I'm tossing it in the garbage because you absolutely deserve to criticize the officiating after what happened tonight or against the jets, what happened against the wild, because that is absolutely disgusting. It is garbage. There is no sense of doing the right thing or calling a fair game anymore. They just do what they want to do. And that is absolutely disgusting because of the fact that now you may you may be gone one of your top young defenders. Thank God Joseph Wall stayed in that game because he did not look good at all. And I think he should have been taken off for a concussion protocol because he looked pretty dazed. And again, I, I could go on and on about how much that Pionk and 
Pierre-Luc Dubois acting worse than Brad Marchand at this point. But Paul Maurice had the audacity mid-game, or his team is up 6-3, to yell at the Maple Leafs bench when two of his guys were going around and basically like going after our players the whole entire game. That is an absolute joke, and that just shows that, you know, the coach's mentality matches the players. They don't care. The officials don't care. Paul Maurice is basically saying, yeah, go out and continue to do the same thing over and over again with no consequences. It's a joke. It's disgusting, and it needs to stop right now. I'm going to go as far as saying Winnipeg. the Winnipeg Jets are easily the dirtiest team in the NHL right now. One, what happened with Pionk and Marner last year? Dubois had uh, his own issues with Muzzin the previous year with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You remember that hit that he had to be stretchered off. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget Mark Shifley, Mm -hmm. like literally almost taking Jake Evans's head off over an empty net goal. Yeah. No, absolutely. Are are they not the dirtiest team right now? They're more dirtier than the Boston Bruins. They're They're more dirty than the Boston Bruins right now. Easily, easily, easily the dirtiest team in the NHL. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this route. I'm gonna say the Neil Pionk knee on knee with Rasmus Sandin looked worse than Edler's knee on knee with Hyman last year. Yes, and Hyman, and Hyman was out six weeks. I think he was out two. Was it two? I think it was. It was. It was a shorter amount of time. It could have been a lot worse because of the fact that it was the same knee that he had surgery on in the off season. So maybe maybe it was three weeks anyways regardless you're talking about yeah so let's let's say it was out three weeks rasmus sandine best case scenario probably going to be out a month okay this is a guy that's in the prime of his development playing phenomenal hockey for the leafs easily one of their best pairings in him and lilligren behind maybe riley and tj brody Mm -hmm. um and now you know a no what what was it? A no call? Like no Neil Pionk? Yeah. Neil Pionk can go knee on knee and and, and nothing. Um, and it was blatant. That was the problem. It was blatant. There was no effort yeah. to get out of the way. There was no effort to pull his knee in. Um, and you know what? If if I'm if I'm Kyle Dubas right now, if Sheldon Keefe doesn't say something about the officiating, see you later. I will. I see will. See you later. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, for me, this is a moment where you stand up for your team and you say, you know what? We've been through some up and ups and down, downs this year. That game was an absolute fucking joke. Yeah. And if you're, if you are Sheldon Keefe, you are I'm saying, the fine. yeah, I absolutely. Care. I, hey, you know what? You hear it here first. I'll start to go fund me and I'll throw 50, I'll throw 100 bucks in right now. <laughs> because why not? You need to say something. You need to speak up. You need it because otherwise this shit's going to continue to happen. And what Dubois did to to Matthews, like protect your fucking stars. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about McDavid in a second about how he got a five ten in a game, and I don't blame him. You know what? So what? He hit a guy from behind. He fucking deserved it. At the end of the day, we're getting to a point where now the stars are. Are, are trying to find ways to protect themselves. And these are guys who haven't made a, a career out of hitting and fighting and, you know, dirty cheap shots the way that stars did back in the, you know, seventies and eighties. We're talking about guys who've gone out and play the game the way it's meant to be played mm-hmm. where yes, they will get involved in the physical play. Hell Austin Matthews was top seven on the team last year in hits. Yeah. But when you're getting ragdolled from behind, from behind, the key word there, 
and you're getting punched in the back of the head. Yeah, glove on. Who gives a shit? Grabbed by the collar. Grabbed by the collar. What are you supposed to do? Me? If it was me, I'll tell you right now. If it was me, I would have turned around and broke my stick over his leg. And if I broke his leg and got a five-game suspension, so be it. Mm -hmm. I would have sent a message. Yeah. And luckily Simmons was out there and he sent a message. And like Simmons had a cross check and a shot to the legs of, I can't remember who he did it on, but that led to a 10 minute misconduct came back, fought Logan Stanley, Kyle Clifford fought. Um, I can't remember who he fought, but he fought, uh, Brendan Dillon, I believe. Dillon. There we go. Yeah. So, and, and the thing about Logan Stanley, let me, let me, let me tell you this about Logan Stanley right now. Okay. Logan Stanley, you are nobody. You sat there and laughed in Simmons' face after he punched you in the face, okay? You stood behind the referees and behind your teammates when he came after you. Buddy, you're 6'7", 228 pounds against a guy who's, you know, five years older than you. You've played 23 games this year. you played 16 in your career. You have 11 points. You're nobody. You're an 18th overall pick, and you're nobody. For you to laugh in the face of Wayne Simmons, I hope to hell. I hope to hell that Wayne Simmons gets another opportunity at Logan Stanley because it will not go even close to the same that it went this way, this time. Well, I'm just going to say Wayne Simmons got a few good punches in on Logan Stanley. Mark your calendar, March 31st. Just saying that because that is going to be a bloodbath. But I, I know and I know this is going to happen. I know there are going to be fans out there from all across the NHL saying, oh, these fans are, are upset at the officiating or, or there's something lost because of the officiating and all that. The Maple Leafs put themselves in a bad spot throughout the whole entire game. Absolutely. absolutely. Defensively, they were absolutely atrocious. And in the first four minutes of the second period, they gave up at least four Odd man rushes, three of them two on ones, and at the same time, one of them led to the goal, and that's just when things started to collapse. But you're telling they deserve to lose the game based on play overall. But the fact that they couldn't get any assistance from the referees to just make the right call and do the right thing is an absolute embarrassment for that game, for the league, and for the game itself. It it really is, it really is disgusting and i just i i yeah i'm what 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 else can you say we're going to keep talking about this over and over again gary bettman is going to defend his officials which if they were me i would be like gary bettman's a fucking he's a loser he's a loser call it by the damn book you've read it inside out you should know it and if you're not see ya and this is why i kind of wish i was commissioner because or like any other fan out there who knows the game, who knows what's right, would probably do a better job than Gary Bettman, even that they don't have the law degree or anything else that they have. Because they know at least how to call the game right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Um, As the NHL, you're a business. Yeah. Like like you would in any business, you want to protect your product. Mm Mm-hmm. With the officiating at at the level that it is right now, you're basically opening your doors. Let's say you're a big superstar. You're opening your doors and letting everybody walk in and take whatever they want and walk the fuck out. You're not protecting anything. 
you're you're not protecting anything. You just let a young defenseman basically lose potentially four weeks of his young career and nothing was done about it. Yeah. And we might look at it tomorrow and there might be a small suspension on Pionk, but let's be honest, we're ta- probably talking about, we're talking about George Peros here. So we're probably talking about a $5,000 fine, a little slap on the wrist, maybe a little, Hey, how you doing? And that's probably about it. Jason Spezza gets a two game suspension. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it, it's the absurdity of this league continues to drive me away from the game. Um, you want to see a good product on the ice? You're not getting it. You're not getting it. You're getting yeah. a, like you said, you're getting a joke. It's a joke. This shit I, should be a Netflix series with Burt Kreischer, you know, starring in the fucking opening episode telling you how big of a fucking joke this is walks on the ice takes off his shirt and there you go it's a comedy fest my thing is you you look at what the nba does and and let's say said like when the raptors were in the playoffs and playing up against lebron james lebron james got every single call in his favor why because he's a star he's the face of the game where is that on mcdavid in the NHL, where is that on Matthews, um, but or any other star player right now? Where is that that line where you need to protect the stars because they're the ones that are the face of the NHL? Not a Logan Stanley, not a Neil Pionk, not a Pierre Luc Dubois at this point. But Something's got to give. The thing is, nobody's even asking for like every call to go their way. That's the, the way that LeBron gets every single call. Yeah, like, it's just that to me. That to me is also a joke. Where LeBron gets every single call, they're looking for fair calls. Yeah, you know, McDavid's taken down on, on a breakaway as he goes outside on the defenseman because he's ten times faster. Call the trip. Yeah. Call the trip. That's all they're asking for. When when Pierre Luc Dubois dummies Matthews in the corner, make the call. It's roughing and bulls over under, the ball. It's under the rule book. It's roughing. Like that's what blows my mind. Is the fact that you can't call this shit is, oh, it's 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 honestly despicable. And I'm with you. Like, like for those listening, and, and there's going to be the people out there that say, "Oh, Leafs Nation is just complaining once again." You know what? No, they're not complaining about the the loss. The team played like shit. They deserve to lose. You know, it is what it is. The fact that somebody got injured because they couldn't make the right fucking call, and they let the let the players dictate how the game was going to go. Those officials lost the game yeah. at the a long, like very shortly after puck drop. The players are basically calling the shots. Yeah, and that's what the complaint is. The complaint is the fact that there was no calls the right way, and that goes for both ways. That goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. Could 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 Spets have gotten a penalty for hitting Pionk as he was going down? Absolutely. It was it was in the region of of being a little high because of Pionk's positioning. Hundred percent, you could have called something. There are situations, I mean, you could have called, hell, you could have called Simmons for three cross checks prior to his 10 minute misconduct or right after his 10 minute misconduct. 100% there could have been other calls, but the officials were not even, they they were not even there. They they were absent. They were waiting. They were figuring out, you know, what they were going to get at Chili's after the game. You could rest assured that the Maple Leafs are not going to forget this game. And. This- and I'm just going to throw this out there. 
the fact that they were able to come back three nothing and manage to keep up with the Minnesota Wild in that game, the fact that they had the physical strength and the ability to stand up for themselves in this game against the Jets, this is a different team this year. The result is it wasn't what they wanted, but I think this is the group and this is you know the mentality and the identity of this team that says hey. We're not going to be taken lightly. We're not going to get pushed around. We're going to fight and battle to the very end. So I think that you got those two things going for you right now. And I hope to God that Sandine comes back. Because if he's out long term, there's another hole that you got to plug away and fix. Because you can't, you have no other defenseman in your system to replace Erasmus Sandine. If I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm taking that memo that Gary Bettman sent out. I'm making a TikTok account. I'm making a TikTok video and I'm taking that memo and wiping my ass with it and putting it right up to the screen. Because to me, that's all that memo is worth. That's all that memo is worth. At the end of the day, what happened tonight was a complete disgrace to the NHL. It was a complete disgrace to the game of hockey. And if you're the Leafs, you mark your calendar, you put every tough guy in the lineup, and you don't give a shit if you lose that game. You're going after every single one of their star players in March. And I, I don't condone this, but if I'm Keith, I'm doing a John Tortorella. I'm putting Clifford, I'm putting Simmons, and I'm wondering Richie or Spezza on that fourth line against their top line and dropping the gloves because that's where everyone is at right now because that was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and you would, and and if you were what, or if the viewers or the listeners saw what was going on on Twitter, you could see that everyone was saying, you know what, good on Spezza, good on Simmons, good on Clifford, because things have gotten out of hand, and they're standing up and defending their teammates. That is the right way to answer the call and answer the bell and say, hey, watch your back next time, because this is not going to end well. Yeah, and, and you know, George Perros. I know you don't do anything else but listen to podcasts. So if you're listening, there better be some some kind of supplemental discipline because, uh, you know, if you're going to allow that stuff to happen in the league, be rest assured that uh, this this whole league is going to become a debacle uh, very very quickly. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm also curious I, to hear what Sheldon Keith's comments are going to be at the game after at the end of this game. I haven't seen anything or any video, but uh, most likely in the morning, I'm probably going to see a bunch of clips and I'm going to listen to the whole thing because I want to hear his take. And Kyle Dubas, listen, we love Dubas. He better send something to the NHL too because this is absolutely a joke. If I'm Brendan Shanahan right now, president of the the Maple Leafs, former. Oh, yeah former sheriff of the NHL department of player safety, where he took no for an answer or he didn't take no for an answer. I'm coming out and I'm just criticizing the entire league. I don't give a shit. I like find every one of those guys, 25,000. If I'm Dubis, if I'm Keith, if I'm Shanahan, I'm coming out and I'm saying exactly what's on my mind because that is exactly why the NHL is a complete shit show at times. Yeah. And you're you're trying to grow the game with the markets and ESPN and TNT and everything like that. And this is what you want to send where your players are get where your star players are getting ragdolled and bullied every single time. Sorry, that that does not cut it for me. Here's here's the thing. If I if I'm a dad, which I am, 
why am I putting my kid into hockey knowing damn well that he's going to get his no- knee blown out and nothing's going to be done about it? Yeah. Give me, give me one good reason. There isn't. There, there absolutely isn't. isn't. So, I mean, you want to grow the game. Fuck. Uh, I don't Start know. Start by making it a safer environment and you're not seeing what we just saw last night. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, anyways, Justin Hall. Our, our our biggest our biggest leaf subject for the week, <laughs> Justin Hall. Uh, he's gonna get more playing time with Rasmus Sandin likely out of the lineup thanks to Neil Pionk, piece of shit. Um, <laughs> anyways, Justin. Man, Hall, I, I'm I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, every everyone is. If you guys are, is. If you guys are listening, like I I just get off. We record Sunday nights. I get off work. I come down. I usually hang out in the man cave and just record with Peter and, and Alex usually. And um, if, if the Leafs play on Sunday, I don't get a chance to really watch the game until afterwards. So I kind of watched some clips before I jumped on here and man, I, I like, I'm angry. I didn't even watch the whole game. So you can, you can imagine what Peter's feeling like. And yeah. Peter, like Peter's a very reserved guy when he when we're I'm on surprised the podcast. I'm not drop any f bombs or any swears because I know because I like I was literally about to cross that limit, but I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to be the vo- not necessarily the voice of reason, but I'm going to be the one that's going to keep it PG. Yeah, I mean, I gotta I gotta make up for all of Alex's uh, f bombs <laughs> that are missing today, so I'm uh, I'm 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 well on my way. But I think you met your quota. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Justin Hall. Um, like I said, he'll probably get a little bit more playing time with, uh, with Sandine likely out for a little while, 19 games so far this season. He, he had a homecoming in, uh, in Minnesota and tonight, I'm going to say tonight, which would be Sunday night against the jets recorded his first point of the season with an assist on, uh, the Kasha goal. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I I hate rot, like ragging on players. I really do, especially Leafs. I don't like the fact that there's always one defenseman that Leaf fans love to blame. I mean, Jake Gardner was that guy for a while. Uh, hell, Larry Murphy. You want to go back years? Larry Murphy was that guy. Aki mm-hmm. Berg was that guy. Thomas Caberlet was that guy. Um, Justin Hall is that guy right now, and. Like I said, I don't want to I don't want to rag on the guy, uh, but 19 games now, 20 games, one point plus two. He's just not getting it done. Yeah. And if the Leafs are healthy, he's not in my starting lineup. You have T.J. Brody, you have um, Morgan Riley, you have Travis Dermott, you have uh, Jake Muzzin, and then you have. Sandine and Lilligren, the two Swedes closing it out, who just seem to click so well when they're on the ice together. The fact that Lilligren is not in the lineup a lot over the last couple of weeks is is frustrating from a Leafs fan perspective. Mm-hmm. I just – like, to me, I, I feel like they're trying to sell Justin Hall on the league. And that's why they continue to push him into the lineup. But is this a case of like, you know, buyer beware? 
you know, you, this is what you're getting. And, and he seems to be making a, a solid defenseman in, in Jake Muzzin play kind of down to his level. Yeah. And we you see the difference when Jake uh, or Justin Hall is not with Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin looks a little bit more free, a little bit more calm and everything like that. Um but yeah, I, he appeared on Frank Saravalli's um, top 15 trade targets in November, and we knew that the Maple Leafs were shopping a defenseman. And at this point, it was likely Justin Hall or Travis Dermott, um, and rightfully so. But I think you have grounds to try and move Justin Hall, mainly because of that two million cap hit. I mean, it would be great if he was showing some consistency. But he's just having a hard time with clearing attempts, positioning, and everything like that. And like you said, we don't want to, like, rag on a player because we want the best for them. We want to see them succeed. And it looked like, you know, there were a few games during the California road trip where Justin Hall looked a little bit better. He looked better against the Colorado Avalanche. But the game against the Minnesota Wild it just went back to Justin Hall early on in the season and during that stretch early on. And I, I, we all want the Justin Hall that we saw in the first 20, 30 games of last season. We're not getting that. And just looking at his underlying numbers, five on five goals against second with 16 behind Jake Muzzin, high danger goals against he has eight. That's sixth overall on the team. Um, scoring chances for he's on or scoring chances against 185 against uh, shots against 199. All of his percentages are well below the average of 50 percent, and that really doesn't cut it, especially if you're in a top four role. And the fact that I think they demoted him to the third pairing, I think, was a good start, but. When you have, based on depth purposes and based on performance, I play Travis Dermott over Justin Hall. You have Brody and Riley as your top pairing. Timothy Lilligren at times, again, again, made a couple of mistakes, but still looked more comfortable in that top four world with Jake Muzzin than Justin Hall did. You have Dermott and Sandine. Um, knock on wood that Sandine is okay to come back and you have Sandine and Dermot as a really strong pairing because they have shown to produce great underlying numbers as well. Where does that leave Hall? That doesn't leave him anywhere unless you get an, make an improvement over him or you feel comfortable with Lilligren getting into that top four spot. That's ultimately on the, on Dubas at this point because you, you either need to move his contract and get another defenseman to be that anchor and be and find some sort of consistency because we're just not finding it with Hall at this point. And again, we want to see him succeed. We want to see him be at his best. But it, again, it's just not there. And what defenseman do you bring in that's comfortable playing in that top four role and that can handle the minutes, handle the pressure and not make a crucial mistake at a certain point and then have to scramble back on defense? Look, I, th I think it's right now is a great opportunity for, for Hall to get minutes, especially if Sandine's out of the lineup. Yeah. I don't think he's among the top six when it comes to the Maple Leafs. 
And last year we were saying the same thing about Travis Dermott. And Travis Dermott was told prior to the season that, you know, you're going to have to work your tail off to, to get into this lineup. This and is your year. He's done exactly that. I think Travis mm-hmm. Dermott's having, while the numbers might not show it offensively, Travis Dermott's having arguably his best year as a Maple Leaf. Um, when it comes to Justin Hall, I mean, I think, I think it's safe to say he's having arguably his worst, his worst year as a Maple Leaf. Yeah. And it's at the end of the day, I I think he's, he's overanalyzing every single play that he makes. And Mm -hmm. he had a hot start to last season. He kind of tailed off, you know, late in the season and then. Obviously, the entire Leaf team had a rough seven-game playoff against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and I think it's just kind of stemmed from there. And, and whether it's mental, whether it's, you know, something's going on physically. I know I know Alex kind of mentioned last week that he he suffered with an illness during yeah. the offseason and, and maybe lost some weight and stuff like that. But, I mean... When, when it comes down to it, it's a it's a business, and you got to have your right the right guys in the right positions to succeed. You know, we were always told put people in the position they need to be in to succeed. Yeah. Right now, Justin Hall is not succeeding, and the problem is that it's not only that he's not succeeding, but he's taking Jake Muzzin down with him. Mm-hmm. And Jake Muzzin's a guy that you have signed for multiple years. He's a guy that you need to be a confident defenseman. He's a guy that you know, is a cornerstone to making this team defense successful. And it's not happening when Justin Hall is in the lineup. And I think that's the biggest, the the biggest takeaway for me is that when you, when you're a team player that is taking, bringing another team member down to your level, that's when it's time to, to kind of reset, re reanalyze what you're doing. And, you know, maybe you need a fresh start. Maybe he needs out of Toronto. Maybe Toronto is not the place for him. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned it. Frank Cervelli, uh, daily faceoff, has him as, I believe, number three on his top 15 four. trade targets. Number four. Four, yeah. And I think so, the thing that, that may go well for him is maybe lessen those minutes. I, that, that was one thing that I may either you bench him or let him watch a, a little bit more from the press box or lower his minutes. Because he just doesn't look like a top four. If at anything, he does look like a serviceable six at this point, but that's about it. Yeah, and it's it's worth mentioning that the reason that uh, Cervelli sees him as the as the defenseman that maybe the Leafs are able to move is one he earns a little bit more than Travis Dermott, and two he's older than Travis Dermott. Yeah. So, you know. Ideally, with with so much locked up in in their core, that would be the guy that you want to kind of you know ship out when it when it, everything's all said and done. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what the answer is because we've talked about Justin Hall on a number of shows, and you know nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed. And if if I'm you know you talk about wanting to be the commissioner, if I'm GM of the Leafs. Justin Hall is not in my top six. Yeah. Um, of course, Rasmus Sandin being out changes that. But um, for me, he's just not a guy that I, I, I'm putting in my top six on a nightly basis. I mean, it's unfortunate that Rasmus Sandin is out. But I think this is 
kind of a good opportunity if the Maple Leafs need to call someone up. You're looking at Christians Rubens, who they did previously call up before, but then sent down, I believe it was in that instance where Travis Dermott wasn't able to go in that. I think it was against the Tampa Bay Lightning, if I'm not mistaken, or it was in uh, during one of those homestands in November. And Christian Rubens, uh, he was very impressed with his play and his development. So look out for him if he's if he's going to be a call up in that bottom pairing role because he's looking pretty good with the Marlies as well this year. So j- j- just an afterthought for that. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And the Leafs do have some depth depth at the the back end position, um, and that's I mean it's worth noting, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I said, I don't really know what the answer is. Um, you know, hopefully Rasmus Sandin's all right, and we, yeah. we start to see them kind of play that pairing together with him and Lilligren. Lilligren's been unbelievable. He's made a couple of mm-hmm. rookie mistakes, but aside from that, he's been he's been such a great player to add for the Leafs. But again, keyword rookie. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, before we we jump over to NHL news, uh, Peter, I, I do want to mention Michael Bunting, who who did have a power play goal, open the scoring uh, tonight for the for the Leafs against the Jets, and really having a solid solid year. Um, yeah. Michael Bunting for Rookie of the Year. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and I put that out there what weeks ago that put him on the top line. Give him the opportunity to get that that Calder Trophy. 26 years old, uh, in 26 games so far this year, seven goals, 11 assists for 18 points. Yeah. Lucas Raymond, the guy standing in his way right now in Detroit. And and don't get me wrong, Lucas Raymond is, I mean, he's proving so many people wrong for not taking him in the top three. But, uh, yeah, I... I think Michael Bunting is exactly where he needs to be. He's a guy that plays very much like Marshawn, which we all hate to love, but we love to hate. Yeah. Um, and and he, he's doing well doing it. And, and you know, here's a guy that didn't get the opportunity in Arizona that maybe he would have liked. And now through 52 career games, he's got 32 points, 18 goals. Um, not bad. Not bad for a guy that was taken in the fourth round, 20, uh, 117th overall. Yeah, and I, uh, I got I got not some heat, but people are or there were some people that sent me gifts of like both side or Lucas Raymond when I said Rookie of the Year Michael Bunting. Obviously, I don't think okay Michael Bunting is third in scoring right now. Do I think he'll win it? No, mainly because of the fact that you're looking at the impact that Raymond's having in Detroit that. And even Mo Sider, you're looking at the impact that Trevor Zegers is having with the Anaheim Ducks. To me, Michael Bunting, fantastic rookie season for Bunting, but he is playing alongside established players. Raymond and Zegers are elevating their play and carrying their own line at certain points. So I think to me, they have more of an advantage than Bunting. But if you are going based on points then Michael Bunting may squeak in, although I still think it's going to it's going to be Lucas Raymond. Here's here's and I'm going to kind of make a counterpoint to that. In Detroit, Lucas Raymond right now is the guy. I mean, you got Larkin. Yeah. yeah um, but bounce back here, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, bounce back year. But Lucas Raymond is the guy. Um, in in Anaheim, Trevor Zegers is the guy. I you don't you're not talking about Silverberg. You're not talking about Getzlav. You're talking about you're talking about Trevor Zegers. Right? It's going to be his team. Yeah. Troy Troy Terry obviously is a guy that you're talking about as well. But when it comes to like young guys, he's easily top three when you're talking about the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. With Michael Bunting, you're not even talking about Michael Bunting when you're talking about the top five guys on the Leafs. That's true. Yeah. You've got Marner. You've got Matthews. You've got Tavares. You have Nylander, Nylander, Kerfoot, um, Kerfoot. Those are, I mean, you're talking Bunting's maybe the seventh, eighth guy that you're discussing. Yeah. So for him to be able to put up 18 points, yeah, he's playing with established players. But I mean, doesn't that make a rookie of the year if if he comes in and plays 82 games and puts up 57 Mm -hmm. points? That's still pretty damn impressive for a it guy is. that's 26 years old and was a fourth-round pick versus two first-rounders. It is. And, and, and again, not trying to take any way, anything away from bunting. It's just that, you know, I, and I do understand where you're coming from. We shouldn't discredit it. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore what two players carry their own lines and giving the team the early success that they're having right now. Then again, bunting's doing the same thing with the Maple Leafs. So I guess that kind of renders my argument irrelevant at this point but yeah no i totally agree yeah no i i just i mean it's, it's worth considering right like i'm you know i'm talking about i for me like it, i i continue to play bunting on that top line see what he, he can do oh yeah he, he's shown that he's he has that ability he's a second power play unit guy for the leafs and and why not why the heck not but mm-hmm. um Anyways, let's let's jump over to uh, more hockey news. I, I put this in our NHL news notes, but Dre Barone, um, I want to talk about him quickly because I believe he was the first openly gay um, official to officiate in an AHL game, yes, uh, professional hockey game. Um, so congratulations to Dre again. You and I talked, or all three of us talked about this a little while back when um, Luke Prokop came out that it'd be so nice if it wasn't a huge story that, that, that there was this acceptance of, you know, the fact that there are openly gay players and, and officials and, and GMs and whatever else. But mm-hmm. unfortunately at this point, it's still a big story. So to Dre Barone, you know, way to break down that wall absolutely, um, and, and keep doing what you're doing because, fuck the nhl needs some new officials so there's gonna be some holes opening up (laughs) at some point um let's let's get him a job application right now yeah absolutely but just just the fact that you're able to do what you can do and be yourself and, and and not have to hide behind you know these these ignorant people and these ignorant walls and these ignorant yeah you know hurdles in life um it's exciting to see regardless of the fact that we know that hockey culture has still got a long way to go. Yeah. And we talked, we talked about it last week with, you know, two, two parts of the third intermission podcast in, in terms of racism in the game. And, um, you know, there, there's still homophobia in the game mm-hmm. and, and it's unfortunate. Um, I do think that women's hockey is a little bit more open to, um, the idea of, of, of you know that that kind of 
transcendence of the LGBTQ plus uh, plus community. Yeah. Um, I think men's men's hockey has a long way to go. Oh, no, 100%. no matter what, no matter 100%. what. Um, and to see this, to see this, this movement in in officiating, we've had we've had women officiating men's pro hockey this season. We've had now the openly uh, openly gay uh, Dre Barone uh, officiating an AHL game. It's 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 so it's so much of a relief to see this happen. And yeah. I hope that this just is this is just the beginning. I really do. Mm-hmm. I took the words right out of my mouth. I 100% agree, uh, Dre. Congratulations, and we look forward to seeing you hopefully in the NHL one day. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, uh, hopefully there's some holes opening up in in uh, officiating in the NHL very very soon, and you get your opportunity. But the the Vancouver Canucks. I dominoes are falling. Dominoes are falling. Uh, I, you know, we really should have gotten Matt Zader on for this episode because yeah, he would have had a hell of a lot to say. Maybe, maybe next week we'll get Matt Zader on, but as a follow up, yeah, as a follow up, Travis Green out, Jim Benning finally out, Bruce Boudreau in as interim coach. Uh, I, I don't know if they gave him the interim tag, but in as coach. And uh, currently, GM is not really uh, not really public knowledge, but it's interesting because Travis Green, I, I think it was there last week. A little little note on that. Apparently, according to Irfan Gaffer from I believe the fourth period, did tweet out saying that Chris Gear likely steps in in an in an interim role. I am assuming for GM. Okay. All right. So with Bennington Weisbrod being out and. Boudreau and Scott Walker are coming in to replace both Travis Green and Dolan Baumgartner. Uh, to be honest, I like the Scott Walker. I love Scott Walker. Yeah. I like that. Um, Bruce Boudreau, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. He's had success at the NHL level. Kind of brings back that, you know, that Taylor Hall uh, old boys club mentality that he's kind of recycled and reused. But mm-hmm. um that being said, I, I I thought this was interesting because Travis Green, I, I want to say it was a, within the last week that he said uh, in one of his post game comments, there was a question about, you know, what do you, where do you go from here with the team? And he's like, well, you know, we can only work with what we have. And it was kind of a it was kind of a fuck you to Jim Benning in, in my eyes, anyways. Um, maybe he didn't mean it that way, but in my eyes, it was like. Hey, you kind of put us in this shitty spot. Mm-hmm. This is what we've got. We're gonna do what we can, and it's. I I found it interesting that both were were relieved of their duties uh, at the same time. I I know, you know, it's not it's not always that you 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 see both the GM and coach sent sent packing at the at same, same time. time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean they're cleaning house. And like I said, I'm sure Matt Zader, like if you're not following Matt Zader, head over to Twitter and follow Matt Zader. He's got a lot to say on the Vancouver Canucks and prospects. Um, I think but, I believe he just posted an article on the whole entire news right now. So, yeah. So he's like, like I said, he's got a lot to say. It's worth uh, worth checking out. And uh, the Vancouver Canucks might be might be second to the uh, officiating when it comes to debacles in the NHL right now. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it all – and everyone is online and making the joke that Brian Dumoulin giving the jersey back to the fans after they threw it onto the ice. Um, everyone was saying, oh, that marked the – end of it all and that's something needed to happen but this is these are two moves that needed to happen i mean let's be realistic um i think maybe travis green was not necessarily his fault because like like you said maybe the fact that jim benning has been had has made some good moves but most of the moves and decisions that he's made have not panned out very well at all. And I'm surprised that he lasted this long as GM. Because when you had the season that you had last year, you you basically did a Brian Burke and tried to cut corners by bringing in Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland. And Connor Garland, I, I absolutely love, and he's producing. But that bringing in Oliver ekman Larson was a big risk and a big gamble. And you ultimately gave away your first round pick last se- last year, which ultimately became Dylan Genther, who could be another cornerstone player for you in the future. I mean, he's just absolutely lighting it up in the WHL right now with 32 points in 24 games with the Oil Kings. I mean, it's those kind of decisions. I mean, you freed up cap space by give it, by trading off uh Andrew Ladd and all those other players um not Andrew Ladd but Louis Erickson it, it's it's when you make questionable moves year after year after year then at some point things are going to come back and start to haunt you and let's face it giving up they cleared out 12 million in Casper with Erickson, Beagle, and Broussel to bring in Ekman Larson. Great, you got rid of the cap space, but now with Ekman Larson, he only has five points in 25 games. Not something that you expected previously before, considering the fact that he was a 50, 40 to 50 point defenseman. Seems like his best years are behind him. Try to cut corners. And it's going to come back and haunt you, like I said before. And I, this is a move that definitely needed to be done. And uh, Bruce Boudreaux, we've seen him and his and his coaching mentality. He's in your face. He's driven. But he lets the players be themselves, like in terms of their on-ice play. He didn't try to change Ovi. He didn't try to change back from when he was with the Washington Capitals. But he did got the best. He did get the best out of them, and I'm hoping that if there's anyone to try and turn this team around and get the most out of their star players, it's going to be Boudreaux because Pedersen needs to get going, Besser, Horvat, all of them need to get going, and I think Boudreaux can do that. Here's what I'm going to say about the Vancouver Canucks. I I, I agree with you. I think Connor Garland's a great piece. It's a great ad. I don't think he's a first liner. And right now, oh. he's top line with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. Um, you've got Elias Pettersson and Niles Hoglander, two of your young star players, playing or projecting third-line minutes with minutes, Justin yeah. Dowling. 
that's that. I mean, you just signed Elias Patterson to a uh, an incredible deal. Um, Year seven point three five. And you've got him. You got him sitting on the third line. Um, bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson bumps Quinn Hughes down to the second pairing. Again, another young guy that you need to be ha- like you need to get him as much ice time as possible. This is a guy that can can really change the complexion of a game for you. Yeah. I do see the Vancouver Canucks having a similar issue that the Leafs have had in the last couple of years in terms of identity on their third and fourth line. Like I said, you've got Pedersen and Hoglander playing on the third line, not really where they belong. Um, It kind of takes away from what the identity is of that third line and their depth scoring. Um, And then you've got your fourth line of Tyler Mott Jason Dickinson and Alex Chason. I, it just, it doesn't strike me as, you know, a team that really knows their direction. Yeah. And I think that's why you saw Travis green and Jim Benning go at the same time, because this team had no direction. Uh, they lost the Sedins a couple years back. They named Bo Harvat the captain. And since then the team just really hasn't, had the same expectation that maybe maybe they should be having of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, it's been nice to see Vasily put Coles in, you know, get a start to his NHL career, not really living up to the expectation that they had of him. Uh, JT Miller not having the same kind of season he's had in the past couple of years. Tanner Pearson, the same, same story. Brock Besser, another guy that uh, really hasn't lived up to expectation in the last year or so. So, I mean, you've got a lot of guys underperforming. You have a lot of guys that really don't know the direction of this team. And it's really a recipe for disaster. And I think that's where we're at with the Vancouver Canucks right now. Ever since they bought out, bought out uh, Bobby Lou, this team has not been what they need to be. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they figure it out. Like you said, they traded away a big pick for Oliver Ekman Larson, and 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 Dylan Guther is going to be. I, I can't wait dynamite. to watch him in Arizona. He's going to be dynamite. He he really is going to be dynamite. Going to tear up the World Juniors. Yeah, it's it's going to be nasty to watch him play. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, I I really don't know what to say about the Vancouver Canucks. And look, I got family out in Vancouver, and they're they're big Canucks fans. I am so so sorry that you have to go through this, but this team yeah. is not even close to being contender in the next five to six years. Yeah. I think right now, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you're hanging on to that first rounder this year. Uh, currently right now, it's a top five pick. So you can have an option of a Simon Nemich or a Logan Cooley or a Matt, Matthew Savoy. So, Joaquin Kemmel, so take your pick. You're going to have a lot of options. Yeah, and, and build. Build from within. Like, build your build your, your prospect pipeline because, you know, this team, like I said, this team has no direction and, and uh, you know, something's got to change. And, and Jim Benning was just not the guy that had the sight anymore. He, he was not seeing things clearly. And that, I think that's why, you know, you saw them kind of move on from him. So, anyways, 
enough about the Vancouver Canucks. The Canadiens, the Montreal Canadiens, the lowly, lowly Montreal Canadiens um, claimed Kale Clegg off waivers from the LA Kings. Small news, but, uh, you know, anything that the, the Montreal Canadiens do, we, we look over with a microscope because... Well, it's the Montreal Canadiens. We like to make fun of them. So, well, also big news considering the fact that they let Mark Bergevin go and they hired Jeff Gordon as hockey ops too. So, big news on that front as well. But I think this is a move that need that could benefit them in the long run, and I think it's a good start for Gordon right now because Clegg has has a reach's potential, but it's still there. He had, he's just scratching the surface. 23, you're at that age now where you, you're going to get what you're, you're going to get. But he's still got that two-way mentality, and I think it could work well for them. Yeah, what's crazy, too, is that uh, there was a lot of rumors early on in the season that uh, Mark Bergeron was eventually going to go to the Kings uh, following this season. I believe his contract was up after this season. Um, and now now you... You, uh, Jeff Gordon claims Kale Clegg off waivers from the Kings. Just kind of mm-hmm. like poetic, poetic irony, justice. I guess. Yeah, I w- poetic justice, but it is ironic that that's kind of, yeah, kind of what that what what took place. But uh, yeah, Kale Clegg, a second round pick, 51st overall by the Kings in 2016. He's only he's had 11 assists in 33 career games. So, I mean, the Canadians missing two big pieces after their their big playoff run. Um, what can you say about the Montreal Canadiens? It's uh, it's a sad day to be a Canadiens fan. Uh, they're there. Everything will be okay. You guys are um, still in the NHL. You have not been relegated at this point, and uh, this is the one time that we get to laugh in your faces after a seven games uh, seven game <laughs> series. So, ha ha, go Montreal continue to be where you are my family's not going to like that just saying uh they can take it up with me on twitter at andrew g forbes <laughs> i will direct them to you all those uh, all the negative comments towards your way so <laughs> there you go um Ovi watch we haven't had Ovi watch in in what two weeks two weeks yeah. Two weeks. I think it was about two weeks. Yeah. Anyways. Unless it's one week, then, hey, every single week is going to be Overwatch. That's right. We'll do every other week for now. But Alexander Ovechkin scored his 750th career goal, uh, making him the fastest – or, the sorry, the second fastest to do so uh, in 1,222 games. He is now just 16 goals back of tying Yarmir Yager for second – or for third all-time. Well, I'm really botching this. Um, for third all time on the NHL's lit, uh, goal scoring list, he's just 51 back of Gordie Howe, who obviously he won't catch this season, but he's probably just a season away from Gordie Howe at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he just continues to chug along and easy. I mean, I know that Leon Dreisaitl is, is having a year as well in, in Edmonton, um, obviously playing with arguably one of the best players in the, in the history of the game and in Connor McDavid. Is it crazy to say that Alex Ovechkin would be the early, early candidate for, for MVP? I mean, considering the fact that he's chasing down history, I would say so. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl has got more years in mileage 
than Alex Ovechkin does. And what Ovechkin is doing right now at 36, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, 70 goal pace, 135 points. I mean, what can you say? Like, again, and we said this multiple times when we're talking about Ovechkin and his pursuit of chasing down Wayne Gretzky, but this is a guy who's probably going to do it. And given the fact that you mentioned 16 behind Yaramir Yager, he's definitely going to hit that, and he's going to put a good dent in chasing Gordie Howe come post-Olympic-slash-All-Star break, depending on what's happening right now, because now there's that question up in the air. But he's going to do it. I, I don't think there's any way around it. He's definitely going to get it done. And he should be MVP given the fact that he's still at his age. Be, still being a lethal goal scorer right now. And another interesting fact. He, or he reached a 20 goal mark. In his 25th game of the season. The capital. Um, the only other ones to do that. 20 goals in 25 games. Was Marcel Dion, Yarmar Yager, and Matt Sundin scored 20 or more in their first 17 NHL seasons? So that is really impressive company to be in. And you know me, I love Matt Sundin, my favorite player. So the fact that Ovechkin is in that category with him right now, that's absolutely amazing. And that's that was from TSN. One one of these days, we're going to have to have an episode just devoted to Matt Sundin and how underrated he was as a player. But mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll get into that another time. But, yeah, 39 points in 25 games. I mean, the fact this guy at, you know, 36 years old is keeping up with guys like Leon Dreisaitl. And the thing that's most impressive is that he only has nine power play points. Okay. Yeah. Nine power play points, and this, this is my argument every year with with uh, you know all of the uh, the Edmonton Oilers is that a lot of their points do come on the power play, and as as impressive as their their point totals are, when you're a guy who has 43 points in 22 games as Leon Drysaddle does, but 17 of your points are on the power play. 17 of your points are on the power play. And then you have a guy like Alex Ovechkin who has 39 points, so four points less, and only nine of your points are on the power play. That's eight points, di- eight point differential on the power play. Um, yeah, I mean that to me is more MVP like than a guy like Leon Drysaddle, where you know I'm going to say close to half of your points come on the power play. Yeah, 29 of his 39 points are at even strength. And he even has a shorthanded goal. Yeah. He hasn't had a shorthanded goal since 2008-9. And that was when he was 23. So, yeah, that's 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 impressive now that he... I, I didn't think I would say Alexander Ovechkin a shorthanded goal in the same sentence, but here we are. Yeah, I just, I mean... Like I said, we'll probably check in in two weeks and, and talk about how Ovi scored his 780th goal. Um, you know, put up another 30 <laughs> in, in a week there, Ovi. But, um, yeah, no, just impressive stuff. And and I do want to – I do kind of want to jump over to the Edmonton Oilers for a second because we did mention it 
we were talking about the Leafs and, and Connor McDavid getting a 5-10 in a game on Sunday night against the LA Kings after hitting Adrian Kempe from behind into the glass. Uh, Kempe, uh, I think, smudged the glass as his nose trailed down down the sideboards. Yeah, but had to get some work done. Had to get some work done. Um, and McDavid now, in the last two seasons, had two kind of, I want to say, dirty plays. Uh, one against Montreal last season where I, I believe he threw an elbow. And then, obviously, this one against Kempe as well. My thing here, and we kind of mentioned it with the Leaf talk, is that is this a point where there's frustration from McDavid and he's starting to take things into his own hands? I mean, he's not a guy that's going to fight. We've seen him fight once in in, in junior and he broke his hand on the glass. Um, and now, you know, he's throwing these these hits from behind, throwing these elbows out, out uh, in the neutral zone. Is this a matter of just, you know, the NHL is not going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of myself. I mean, I would think so. I mean, this is a guy who's the greatest player in the league right now. And he has to, he has to defend himself. I mean, he, he basically lets the, his play dictate everything. Like, he hurts you on the score sheet no matter what. But I think the physical aspect, yeah, I, I definitely can see that, that, you know, he's sick and tired of not getting the calls in his favor, taking things in his own hands. And, you know, McDavid's not a dirty player. So that's why maybe he got caught that one time, I guess, the Canadians. And then now, I mean, it didn't. Looking at the hit, yeah, he did get him in the numbers. It was close against the boards. Yeah, it it did kind of deserve it but at the same time there have been way worse incidences this past week month season so far and i don't know like a knee on knee from from neil pionk yeah you know i i I don't know maybe (laughs) maybe not as bad as that sarcasm but um (laughs) Yeah, I think I think it's getting to a point now where maybe he's just had enough too. But I think it's mainly his play on the score sheet that's just going to dictate itself. Yeah, worth noting that uh, with the 15 minute pe- in penalties, he's now tied for 39th overall in the league in penalty minutes. So, top 40 in penalty minutes, Connor McDavid, the the scumbag of the uh, of the NHL right now. Look out for McDavid because he's going to drop the gloves at some point. He'll throw some elbows. The old <laughs> Gordy Howe, eh? The old Gordy oh, Howe can put the butt in the net, give you a little butt end as he skates by. But um, what do you, what do you think? You think we see a suspension on this? <sighs> Knowing the NHL, yes, but I don't Fine. think it should be a suspension. A fine, fine Neil Pionk for a knee on knee, but uh, suspend the greatest in the league. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that you don't want that to happen. But let's face it, we're just going to accept that that's probably the likely outcome. And hey, good, that's going to be a big shock. Good old Gary and Georgie getting together and, and discussing it over a, a T-bone steak. Oh man, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, 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 I'm fed up. If, any, if anybody wants to go back and listen to our rant, go right ahead. I, we've, we've said it all. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a week for the Leafs. And look, 
as part of the Leafs Nation, we're not gonna we're not gonna overanalyze the last two games. They had some slow yeah. starts. Uh, and they were without Mitch Marner too, so yeah. there's some things. Yeah, you would have liked yeah. a better Thank, outcome. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, it. Jake Muzzin, for that, eh? <laughs> well, he he took a shot, and Austin Matthews blocked it, and he was feeling the remnants of it too. And everyone was just like, "Can Jake Muzzin stop hurting everybody?" And it was just like at the point out where it's just like, of course, this is going to happen. Like, it's not a dull moment in Leafland at this point. But you know what? Two games right now, the fact that they were able to show some fight, both on the score sheet and with their, you know, physicality, I have no concern whatsoever. Hey, Jake Muzz is still playing for the LA Kings. He's just slowly taking the Leafs down in practice. <laughs> oh man, why would you go there? I I, I thought he was, I thought it was over and done with. Conspiracies, conspiracies. <laughs> You're listening to the Conspiracy Leaf Podcast. Um, <sighs> yeah. No. Anyways, um, yeah, Marner's out, obviously, but uh, not severe, but you know, no. big big factor. Here, here's the thing. Right now, like Leaf Nation can rest assured that the Leafs are going to be all right because yeah. they they they've put themselves in a position where standings wise they're 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 all right. Um, when it comes to you know a couple losses, it's a couple losses. Um, they got to shake this off. They just have to shake this off and come back and and, and figure and things have. out for the next game. And they have, they have. Um, but regardless. It's, uh, you know, two losses are two losses. It's also uh, worth noting that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is 38th in the league in penalty mitts and didn't get called for a single penalty uh, against the Leafs uh, on Sunday night. So, um, two-minute, uh, you know, roughing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's a, a grimy place, and uh, their team sucks. They're, 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 they're the dirtiest team in the league, so. Anyways, <laughs> like I said, our rant our rant is uh, earlier on in the episode, and you can go have a listen. But uh, I don't know any anything else you want to add to the show before we close it out. It's it, I'm kind of feeling weird because it's a shorter episode. But uh, you, anything <laughs> you want to add, Peter? Um, surprisingly, no. <laughs> um, what do you got going on over at the hockey writers? Um, world junior stuff right now. So, um, getting some stuff prepped up and I've, uh, got some more prospects stuff coming out in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. And also draft rankings. I'm going to come out with my top 64 pre world junior edition. So yeah, the, the, the prospect talk is going to be heavy in the next month or so. How about you, man? Not a whole lot. Um, big shout out to Kevin Armstrong, another Leaf writer over at the Hockey Writers, who will be credentialed yes. for who 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 is credentialed by the W Double yes. IHF uh, for for team covering Team Canada at the World Juniors. Um, great host of the Maple Leafs Lounge as well over at yeah. YouTube. Yeah, check it out. Be sure to check it out. He does a great job there. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think uh, Peter, you're doing a great job covering prospects. Uh, you're Thank you're the head of our prospects over at the Hockey Writers and and doing a hell of a job with that. Appreciate um, it. Man. For me, I'm I haven't come out with the rankings yet. I think. What do you think? You think it's about time that uh, we get some Forbes rankings out there? 
Yeah, I, I think December's the perfect time for that. December's the perfect time. There's there's an early Christmas gift for everybody. We'll get some uh, Forbes rankings out there for prospects. Maybe a top 32, maybe a top 64. Who knows? Hey, we'll take a look at it. Go we'll big take a look. Home, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, as always, guys, uh, you know, we, again, thank you all for, for tuning in, listening to us just ramble on about all this I'm going to say bullshit that is is hockey sometimes. I know officiating nonsense. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it gets us riled up. But this is our thing. This is our, our Sunday night uh, vent fest where we just, you know, let everything off the chest and refuel for Monday morning. But um, as always, guys, uh, it, it's we hope to have Alex back next week. Mm-hmm. He, he, as I as I mentioned off the top of the show, he's a great addition to this this show. And uh you know, we thank you guys for tuning in every week. He'll be coming uh, off the LTIR soon. Yeah, coming off the LTIR, our salary <laughs> cap's looking good pretty like, right now. We're we're going to go into the playoffs, eighteen million over, but uh, we're okay with that. Eighteen million over. That's, eighteen million. That's, that's never going to get old. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> um, but anyways, guys, thank you again for tuning in to episode sixty-four of the podcast. As always, you can follow Peter on Twitter at p uh, you can follow Alex at a Hobson media, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes, check out the podcast on Twitter at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. You can head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast to download and rate and review our latest episodes. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Uh, as I mentioned, rate or review. You can check us out on YouTube for a lot of great video content. See these ugly mugs, <laughs> right on your home screen it's great it's fantastic um as always thank you again to ryan zeus fleming for his uh his fantastic intro for our our shows and uh with jason spezza lighting the lamp lately check out our merch over at uh, i believe it's red bubble um some great vintage is toronto merch so check that out as well all proceeds are going back to the podcast and we will be donating half of that as well Mm -hmm. so until next time until next week hopefully alex is back and uh that's it for peter and i see you all next week